Welcome to Out of Game Episode 30. Today, we dedicate our 30th episode to you, our amazing listeners, by spending the entire podcast answering your fantastic questions. This is your host, Ryan. Join me, Chris, and Tim as we go Out of Game. Welcome to episode 30 of Out of so Game. 30. This is Ryan. This is Chris. And this is Tim. And we are a podcast about board, board games. games. For the 30th time. Board, 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 board. So, you know what we decided to do for this episode? We decided to dedicate it to our listeners. Our awesome listeners. Exactly. You know, I've come to a, a realization doing the podcast, and I, I'd like to share with you guys now in episode 30. You know, when we started out, I... I didn't really know what would what would come of this. In fact, if you listen to our first couple of episodes, we didn't we didn't even buy any equipment or anything because we had no idea if anyone would listen. And then it was I don't know maybe like episode five or so we realized that people were, some people were actually listening. Uh, and I know some of, and I'm sure you guys are all listening right now and girls. And it kind of motivated me really <laughs> to to buy it and us to buy equipment for the show to make it sound better for you guys. So what I'm saying is that uh, we appreciate all of our listeners. And the reason I'm doing the podcast now is really for the people that have been listening to us, like our current listeners. It's not about trying to, to extend it to like thousands of more listeners. It's like, I'm happy with the listeners we have right now. And I'm happy doing the podcast just for you guys that are, and girls that are listening to us now. And what we want to do in this episode is kind of dedicate it to you and answer your questions that have been pending, some of them for two years, in our, in our email list of questions. Uh, so we're going to call the table talk in this one, all things Oogers, OOGers. 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 All, thing, all things OOGers. And we're going to spend an entire episode answering listener questions. From the Ogres. That's right. But I am Oog. Before that, I'm not an ogre. Let's jump into the spawn point. Spawn point. Uh, why don't you start off, Chris? So, played a game called Stockpile. Oh, yeah. Huh. Fascinating game. So, this is a game I think Ryan had mentioned that I was going to like it. You, you, you're very tapped into games that I'm going to like and not like, and you sort of gave me a heads up that this is a good game. And then when I arrived in game night, Joel had the game and was obsessed with it. He had just gotten done playing several iterations of it and couldn't wait to play again. He was setting it up. So got to play it. Very, very fun game. I realized I love the bidding mechanic. I think the bidding mechanic could be my single most favorite mechanic if you had to divide them up. Because, you know, worker placement is very limited. You know, you're, it's limited to the order, the turn order. And there could be a time when I want something more than somebody else and I'm willing to pay for it. Should be allowed to do that. I like the fairness aspect of bidding. And the way it works in Stockpile, I won't get into the whole game, but obviously you're bidding for stocks and the stock values go up and down. And there, there's, I don't know if it's an illusion or not. I only played one, but there's an illusion that you have a lot of control over what's essentially pretty random. And the magic of that, was very appealing to me. I had a great time playing that game. Nice. It's the same bidding mechanic almost as Cyclades, right? 
Uh, Cyclades, it's very similar. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, with Cyclades, you're bidding one dollar or one, you know, gold increments. With stockpile, it goes like from three to six to ten. So there's leaps. There's penalties for going higher. Right. It, it's you know it grows like. But it does. It, you do all end up with one of the things though. Yes. Like you, yes, you, you have do. to go somewhere else if someone outbids you. Yes, you do. Yeah, that's a good mechanism. I like that. One. Yeah, and it's it's also different in that you are allowed to go back to the same spot. In Cyclades, you have to pick a different spot. You can outbid the person who just bumped you. Yeah. Which is uh, both mechanics are good for the different games. So this works in in stockpile. So. I don't know. I, I thought it was a really fun game. Yeah, actually, last year, that this was a uh, Dice Tower, one of the nominated for a Dice Tower Award. I think it was best, either best small publisher or best new designer or something like that. But mm-hmm. I voted for it in whatever category it was in because uh, I really liked it uh, when I played it la- uh, last year. So good game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the only other news is I am working on a game. Oh, yeah. And it's coming yeah. farther than last time. All right. Nice. So moving right along. Made a lot of progress on the mechanics, ironed out some problems, and uh, one of these days I would love to go public with the game and what it's all about. We gonna see some stick figure art or something? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I'm gonna develop the art. I'm gonna need some help with that. Gen Con artists start getting some names. Yeah. You just per- scroll through, stroll through the art of yeah. the art. They're expensive though. They are. Yes, but, there. It's because they're talented. But if you want quality, that's what you have to do. You, you know who's a good artist? Trevor. I did not know that. Yeah. Trevor or Batman Trevor? Batman Trevor. Batman Trevor. Trevor, our famed friend Trevor, who won the Gen Con costume contest in 2015? No. 2014, 2014 I believe. With his amazing Batman outfit that he created. Batman. And no joke. It's amazing. It is really, it is pretty amazing. Unfortunately, he was in hell wearing it. It was so yeah, hot yes. and uncomfortable. Yeah, but it was best. a great costume. Probably be a better movie, too, if he were to be Batman than <laughs> most of the other ones that have been made. For sure. <laughs> so interesting news from my spawn point is I don't have a spawn point. What? what? No spawn point for Ryan in episode 30. I'm going to fall down. Wow. There's something wrong with the world. Yeah. Ryan's got nothing. I think I... I, think it's, I it's because it's all about the listeners, too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> what's, what's even weirder is... I actually have a game review I'm going to do that Whoa. you haven't played. Oh, what, what's so that? it's like we're it's opposite we're, day. We're, yeah, there's something wrong. There's here. a shift happening we're in the bizarre podcast. Yeah, yeah, there's something going on. We all so, have goatees. I had the opportunity to play a game <laughs> called Fisticuffs by the uh, the Nerdologs. Okay, so took this game up to Wisconsin. Figured it would be perfect thing and uh, play it with my brother and my nieces and nephews. And uh, actually, Sam participated too. So she's only six, so she got into it. Um, so Fisticuff is kind of a free-for-all brawling card game. So basically the idea is you're a boxer and you have to box everyone else down. You each have 12 health and you throw punches and each of them do different damages based on what the punch is and the damage values are on the card. So where it became really fun and interesting was the fact that we had kids in the game. Okay. Because... Well, kids are kind of random, and you wouldn't expect this to happen in like a game if the three of us were to sit down. So the idea is you you have uh, you basically going to go through a round of punching. So everybody gets five cards, and one round is when everybody goes around the table and it gets back to the person who started. That's one round. So you only have these five cards to play for that whole round. So what the idea is you pick a punch card and you pick someone to punch. Okay. So you throw down, say you throw down a haymaker. There's there's like haymakers and jabs and punches and stomps. So you throw down, I'm going to throw down a haymaker. 
Now, the person I'm attacking, what they have to do is play a haymaker so that they can counter it. And if they play a haymaker, then what they do is each color, each card also has a color, either red, yellow, or blue. Then what you can do is throw down a similar color to the haymaker you put down and attack the guy back. Oh, like a combo punch. So it's like a combo punch. So you, you do a block and then you throw back a counter. Okay. Uh, where it gets interesting with the kids is, say you throw the haymaker and I don't have a haymaker. I call towel. Okay. Now anybody is free to jump in. Because if unless someone jumps in, it's just you and me until one of us gets punched. Okay. But now when you call that and say now your nephew wants to jump in because he thinks it's going to be funnier to punch dad than it is to be punching you, <laughs> he now can do the counter. And now the three of us are in the brawl. Okay. And you can keep playing cards until the result is either a tie and no one gets punched or someone gets punched and takes some damage. So we actually played this twice up there and the kids were just dying to play it again. Wow. And we, uh, we didn't play it again because basically it just got to be too late. There's also, which we didn't even use, is there's actually character cards. So you get to be a boxer, and that boxer has specific abilities. Like he can use any punch card as a haymaker, or he can block any punch as long as the color is the same. So they had a lot of special abilities like that, which were really cool. And at the end of a round, when you made it through the whole round, everybody draws back up to five cards, and then everybody gets a round card, which is a very special card that's a, either a special kind of punch or a special kind of ability. The one that got kicked out and banned because my brother hated it was there was a punch that it was unblockable. You throw it down, it was four damage. Nothing you could do about it. <laughs> okay. So we quickly discarded those because I beat him the first game with that card. He's like, that's just for... So we threw it out. <laughs> um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was a good back and forth. It was a really simple game. My daughter was really cute. She's like, you know, punching people is not nice. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, Sam, yes, it's, it's not nice. But, you know, this is just a game. It's just for fun. And we actually found ourselves just laughing our butts off, having a fun time. And it turned out to be basically me and my brother against all the kids because the kids <laughs> right. wanted to beat us so, up and we wanted to beat them up. So, so I have a question. Yeah. So did Jess play this game? Jess did not play. Actually, Jess was not up there this weekend. I took the kids up to Wisconsin okay. then I, all I, by no, myself. I have no question. So. Then. Yes. What was the question going to be? I would love to see how she would react to this game. You know, I think it's one I could actually get her to play because she wouldn't be, you know, the the theme is, you know, the the whole boxing thing. She's not not into boxing or anything like that, but it's just the... She's into winning, though. She is into winning. There is that. She's a very, very competitive woman. And the visual of getting punched by her kid and losing would be very interesting. And actually, that's where, uh, actually, my nephew got frustrated the most because... It was my nephew, my brother, myself, and then his daughter, my daughter, and my brother's daughter brought up a girlfriend. So there was three girls and three guys, and whenever he got taken out by one of the girls, oh, it didn't sit well. (laughs) But, yeah, they they kept wanting to play, though. So that's basically become a permanent card uh, game that's probably going to stay up in Wisconsin, and we're going to play it when we're up there. They they actually really enjoyed it. So Hmm. I'm giving it a, a thumbs up. Okay. Now, would you play it with just the gaming group, or do you think it's more of like a family-type game? I don't know if our gaming group would enjoy it or not. It seems like a family game. It's, it seems like more of the family game. I, you know, the, the, I mean, there is strategy to it, because you know, since you only have five cards, if you are like late in the round and a lot of people have been throwing stuff around and you kind of sit back, you can hold on to like one of those haymakers, which is one of the bigger punches that does five damage, and... Probably later in that round, nobody has anything left because they've been blowing everything. 
so you can get the punches in on the people you want. Okay. Um, so you could make it more strategic. You could make it more strategic, but the, you it know, sounds like it's more fun. The randomness was the, yeah. the, the funnest part yeah, of it. It sounds like that's the fun. Getting part. into the whole big thing. So yeah. it's a little bit like Cult Express in a way, where you yeah. kind of see how things go. Exactly. Exactly. Now, how long does one game take? Um, I would say you could probably easily get this done in thirty minutes to forty-five minutes. Okay. So fairly quick. You know, it takes it takes more time to. You know, sometimes people sit there trying to figure out who they want to punch. Yeah. Unless you're one of the kids, and it's, then it's me or my brother. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, well, so, yeah. Sounds good. Uh, so I thought of one. I, you know, I was just thinking. That, oh, you got a spawn point. Yeah, it would be a disservice to our listeners on episode 30, dedicated to them to not have a spawn point. Mm. So I don't think I talked about this last episode, but uh, it's a little controversial a statement I'm going to make here. But I watched, uh, over the holiday break, I watched every single Star Wars movie. Wait, what holiday? The like the the holiday that we had a couple months ago. Oh, okay, I just okay. I forgot couple to talk about ago. this last episode. Okay, gotcha. Uh, you know, you realize that 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 was three movies of torture. <laughs> so here, because when you say everyone, you mean everyone. Yeah. So this is what happened: three movies of torture, two pretty good movies. Yes, and then another bad movie, and then a brand new movie. Three movies of torture. Well, two 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 new movies. No, no, no. We got two new movies. In basically. that scenario, you're saying well, the he's, original. He's not three. counting Rogue One. Oh no, you oh, are he is counting, counting, counting Rogue One. Rogue yeah, one. This, this Rogue One sparked this. Yeah. Okay. So this is what happened. I went to Rogue One, and I liked Rogue One a lot. And then I was like, you know, I kind of want to watch the original trilogy. So I actually busted out my VCR because I have the trilogy on Whoa. VCR on VHS. And I was like, man, this is gonna be a horrible watching this on VHS. Didn't have an issue with it at all. And in fact, there's a lot of nostalgia to watching a VHS tape because it's interesting. Like when I got to the end of the movie, I was like, Oh yeah, I have to stop it and rewind it. <laughs> and so I had to stop it and rewind it. I'm like sitting there and I can't go upstairs because I have to wait for it to rewind so I can put it away. It's like, this is so weird. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I watched and it was kind of funny. I almost took a picture of it because that same week we like got my Nintendo out. And so, like, like I, Nintendo sixty four? No, Nintendo the original oh. Nintendo. Like I was Whoa. like Evan's been playing original Mario from nineteen eighty seven. So I was like, I'm in my basement watching a VHS tape, and my Nintendo is sitting there. I'm like, this is such like an eighties like flashback. Yeah, <laughs> it's like eighties holiday. So, anyways, I watched every single Star Wars movie. I watched the, um, I watched the original trilogy. I watched Rogue One. I watched the original trilogy. And then in one day, I watched episodes one, two, and three, all of them in the same day. That's a bad day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I went and, uh, and, and watched The Force Awakens after that. So I watched them all in succession. And here's my conclusion from doing this. First of all, I had, I had some delusion that I liked episodes one, two, and three. And after watching them again, have decided that it was, in fact, a delusion, <laughs> and I did not enjoy any of them. Like, like each of them had moments that were good. Most of them were with R two D two or C three PO. But yeah, like all the almost all the characters were annoying. Like all the main ones, especially the can, the ones that were in every episode. Yeah, like they kill off all the good ones, basically. Like all the interesting characters, yeah. and the whole thing is just depressing. So did not really like those. We'll probably never watch them again. I have no no intent or desire to ever see those movies again. Yeah, I, I debate on even letting my daughter know of their existence. Yeah, I don't think there's really any good reason to. No. Nah. But here's the probably the most controversial statement. I think The Force Awakens is my favorite episode of the entire Star Wars series. After watching them all, 
within like a two week period, followed closely by episode four. But I'm not a Star Wars geek enough. Be that a New Hope. Can you even hope. remember the name of a New the Hope episodes. would be number four. So that would be my second favorite, and probably the whole the whole original trilogy is right after the Force Awakens, and then Rogue One. Wow, those are my what top five? Yep, top which five. to me are probably the only ones that exist. Yeah. Now I, I have one counterpoint to your your conclusion. Okay. <laughs> now you you know you watched the Rogue One, and then you watched the good movies, and then you watched the bad movies, and then you watched. Force Awakens. Okay, yeah. You basically spent a whole day of torture. By the way, it's like bandage. You rip it off and get it done. I agree with that part of it. But you watched all three of those and then watched Force Awakens. You could have watched Howard the Duck. And that would have been the best one. It would have been the best one. So it's following the bad acts. It's just following such bad stuff that is going to be the best one. Well, but here's the thing. After I watched The Force Awakens, I immediately wanted to watch it again. That, that's okay. That gives us some crud. Yeah, and it was a few days later, too. It was maybe even like a week later. They see, what they, get, they have to do, too, is they they, they got to stop creating these interesting characters like Phasma, and then nothing ever becomes of them. They go into a trash compactor, and <laughs> that's it. Stop Stop creating characters in the first movie and killing them. Yeah. Darth Maul should have been in all three of the first Star Wars movies. It's, they and still would have been It bad. would have had a little saving grace, but they still would have sucked because Jar yeah. Jar's in them. Ken Dooku was okay, though. Yeah. He was all right, but his lines were so bad. Yeah. But his, his voice poorly his voice is so mesmerizing. Christopher Lee is awesome. <laughs> Christopher Lee. Rest in peace. His king. Yeah. So anyway, I, I'm probably going to get some flack from the listeners, I think. No, well, actually, let's, let's, let's see what... And of know, all those who've seen Rogue One, let's hear some favorites. Which one's the favorites? Yeah, I, I personally, I've seen all of them. And I don't know if I feel qualified to rank them yet. Like with Force Awakens being better than A New Hope yet. I need to give it some time. A New Hope is so good. And it stands the test of time. It's still relevant. You can still watch that movie and enjoy it. Can we do that with Force Awakens in, what is it, 40 years yeah. from now? That's how long that movie's held up. So we'll have to see if Force Awakens is that good because it's so new, I, get, I would get wanting to watch it again. Yeah. But, and it was a good movie, so I don't know. I, I want to give it some time before I decide. But I did like Force Awakens. One thing that surprised me is there was the special effects did not bother me. They were way ahead of their time when they made the original trilogy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay. Well, they enhanced them too. Honestly, I th- I think the okay. the actual creation of these things in the physical format that they did is better than the CG. I much prefer the 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 costuming of the first movies versus the CG of the later movies of when they do the aliens. Yeah, there's something if you haven't seen Rogue One, there's something in it that might bother you. Yeah, I'm not going to say what it the is. digital <laughs> right. version of people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's that's, that's where the Tron Legacy they, thing. Exactly. They did that in Tron Legacy, yeah. and it was very awkward. And the Matrix, they did it they, in the they Matrix. Digitized too. Neo, and it's they, just, it's not. They did. It was very awkward. It's embarrassing. Yes, they did a pretty good job, though. Yeah, I mean, so so here's a funny story. Here's a funny story. I did, this kind of makes me lose cred for the Star Wars ranking I just did. I didn't know what was going on in Rogue One. I was like, why did they make that guy look like that? It's because I didn't remember the original movies because it had been so long since I had seen them. Did you see Rogue One before or after you rewatched? Before. But it was, I was like, what is going on? Why did they do? Why did, <laughs> why did they make this guy a CGI? I don't understand what's going on. 
And then, and then I like afterwards I researched it. And I'm like, oh, he was a guy who died from the original movie. Like I did not know that, yeah, so yeah. it was just confusing to me. Yeah. The you know the other time they did it, I understood, but the 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 guy who's in charge of Death Star, I had no idea why they did that until after the movie. So it was a little weird for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I found myself staring at him just in fascination, looking how well is this going to work? Yeah. And that takes away from it. It does. Uh, it does. But they digitized somebody else. Yeah. And it was phenomenal. Yeah, they did pretty good on that one. Phenomenal. I was blown away by that one. Okay. You know, uh, no spoilers. I'll let you bit. know in a couple days. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that was the spawn point. Okay, let's get into listener let's questions. Jump into listener the question. Also in our table talk. You're listening to Out of Game, the definitive Dice Tower Network source for all things werewolf. For other, less lycanthropic podcasts, go to dicetowernetwork.com. All right. We have a lot of questions to go through, and we're just going to start at the top. And we run out of time, we're going to stop. Brad Thomas asked a question. What game release are you most excited about for 2017? And FYI about this question, the original question was, what game are you most excited about for 2015? <laughs> so, okay. So, sorry, Brad, for uh, wow. taking so long to it's answer It's still this. a good question. I think this was a question from our very first contest. <laughs> wow. Well, what was the best game of 2015? Oh, gosh. Dead of Winter? Was that 2015 or 20? That was 2015. I think that was 2015. Since I can't think of any other games, we're going to go with that. Okay. What about 17? 17. I picked Ice Cool Legacy. (laughs) Oh, wait. No, wait. There's some co-host did that, and that's that's all fake. Forget (laughs) that. Forget that. Uh, How many, nobody listened to that, right? No, no. (laughs) Only only 100,000 What I'm most looking forward to, yeah, only 100,000, so you're probably safe. So my, my, my big thing that I'm looking forward to is the Sea uh, Rock Cruiser for X-Wing, which is a huge scum ship. Okay. So it'll be the first huge ship for scum. And I've kind of gotten into playing scum, and I really enjoy scum, so I'm really looking forward to that. But board game-wise, I believe I'm looking forward to Pandemic Legacy 2. Season 2. Puzzles 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Puzzle Legacy 2. Do they call it the Croc Cruiser? It's the C-Rock, C-R-O-C. I would croc. call it the Croc. It could be. I, you know what? It will probably be called the Croc because Crocs are kind of fierce. <laughs> they are. <laughs> and it's because they have no Abdullah on Legata. Is that right? <laughs> no, Legata. Oh, my gosh. But so. Crocs can enjoy a damn good pie chart. <laughs> they could. Have you ever seen a pie chart that just represents things perfectly for you? And it's just very satisfying to see. Okay. I'm oh, sorry. And then, then someone comes up and goes, that's such a crock. All right. Well, my favorite game that I'm most excited about in 2017 is a game called Gods of Alvaron. What? It's by a new designer, relatively unheard of. And <laughs> you have, probably haven't heard much about this game, but you will. Just, wow. just stay tuned. So you're just going to halt for now? <laughs> Very good. So for me, it's a game called Charterstone. Charterstone. So Charterstone is the same designer as Scythe. Jamie Stegmeyer, and it is a competitive legacy game. So Charterstone, basically, um, from their description, there's not much info out about this, except that as you play games, there's 12 games total in the legacy campaign. As you're playing through the campaign, you're permanently adding stickers to the board that will become extra action spaces because this is a strategy game. And then once you're done with the campaign, you can continue to play it as a unique version of that game worker placement game. 
Charterstone. Looks, mm. looks. Uh, I really like the art. It's kind of whimsical art, but I don't know. I, this guy is so on my radar right now because of Scythe, uh, and he has some other hits that I'm really wanting to play. Once I get through my magic number, I'll probably be buying one of those. It's going to be a major withdrawal You're here. You're going to get yeah. it before oh. the end. No, I'm not. I'm going to make it. We're going to get a direct line into Esther. Make sure there's no <laughs> deferred things happening in here. But Charterstone, that's the one I'm looking forward to. Legacy game. I think it's going to be a surprise hit 2017. All right, question number two for Ryan. It's by Adam Zabrowski. Zabrowski. It's actually a buddy of mine. What do you think of the terrific strate- strategic and tactical dice game of Troy's? compared to Alien Frontiers, compare and contrast. Okay. So the pronunciation of this is Twa. It's Troy's, T-R-O-Y-E-S. <laughs> Don't even get me going with these <laughs> weird pronunciations. <laughs> I took a lot of flack for this. It is Troy's. So, okay. If you're going to pronounce that not Troy's, then it's Scythe. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, it's actually, a, I think it's a French word, Twa. I would well, hope with that pronunciation in French, it is French. And then we'll in France we'll t- we'll say it like that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So in Troyes, uh, this is a dice placement game like <laughs> Alien Frontiers, uh, which is why it's being compared. I think I've only played this game twice. Once was actually with Adam. I think I sent the question. I think both times was with him actually. Now that I think about it, here's my opinion, Adam. Now that you've asked, for one, I think t- Troyes is a bit dry. Tro- Alien Frontiers is your best game of all yeah, time. Yeah, Alien Frontiers right? is my, my number so one game. just put things in perspective. Maybe. I'm, I haven't decided if it's still number one. Uh, there's a chance it might get dethroned. By I'm, what? By, by some other games. Scythe? I'm not sure. There, Scythe? There's some, uh, there's some stuff on the radar. It's like ladies? I haven't done my top 100 yet, but... That's pretty big I'm news. I'm not feeling confident. I have to go through the, the ranking and wow, see what happens. Wow. Anyway, I'm going to call it Twa, because I'm just going to annoy the listeners if I don't. Twa... Uh, the first thing I have is that it's a bit dry, the art's a bit mediocre, but it does have interesting mechanisms. Alien Frontiers is full of theme with great art and also has um, interesting mechanisms. Twa is a more strategic, probably. It's a, it's a more st- uh, strategic game, requires more advanced planning. Alien Frontiers, I would say, is more tactical, where you're just kind of rolling the dice and doing what you can with what you roll. Twa feels more like a classic Euro game, and I think Alien Frontiers... Alien Frontiers feels more like a hybrid. There's probably a bit more randomness in Alien Frontiers than Twa. Uh, personally, I like Alien Frontiers better, but I do think Twa is a good game. Also, Twa is much harder to teach. <laughs> Didn't have that in my notes, but I just remembered it. Uh, so, Adam, there's your answer. I hope I haven't disappointed you because I know you love Twa. Okay. Question three is for Tim. Oh, from Dennis Hoyle. Who introduced you to the first tabletop experience or... What is a childhood tabletop experience you will never forget? Uh, mine actually would probably be the game of life. This is something uh, my family didn't really play board games. So there, there are a couple nights I do remember playing life with like the whole family, mom and dad, and uh, kind of going through things and stuff and having a good time. Just m- my dad was not a like game board player like that, but he did buy us plenty of games that's right. why i've got stop thief dark tower stop <laughs> thief we had this one tank battle game we had this carrier strike and you know a lot of more world war ii theme things he never actually played them with us but he definitely supplied them i think he thought they looked interesting and we'd like them and just brought them home and we definitely played those a bunch 
So, but that's like the one that you know it was it was actually the family time, and we actually did that. So, okay, life life is the first one. When you're talking about childhood, it's got to be Risk. I know it's one of Ryan's most hated games. I have so many memories. Yes, played that a ton myself. I, I logged more hours playing that. I mean, that there's some classic games there. And, you know, obviously by today's standards, there's better games than that. But just memories, and we just killed so many hours, and it kept us out of trouble. A great game. And then, I don't know if this counts as a tabletop, but my very first time I played Magic, the card game, was during the O.J. Simpson chase when that was going on. <laughs> and I'll never forget that moment because that was on the news. I was introduced to the game. We were, we were playing it for the, I'm like, what is going on? And it just sort of had that the click for you moment where it just all came together. I was like, I get it. I get this game. And meanwhile, there's this crazy <laughs> car chase going on TV. It was all happening at the same time. I don't know if that counts, but that's another classic yeah. memory. Well, I, I, I'm just going to add on to that too because the magic for me too is kind of the same thing. You know, my buddy Ed introduced us to Magic, you know, tried to talk us all into it. And we're like, okay, you know, we can buy a few hundred cards and play. Lo and behold, that Thousands was like, dollars later. that was the the first sniff. That was the gateway drug. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, and that became a pretty much a 10-year Monday night addiction. So uh, <laughs> great times, but I, I'm glad I'm not really an avid player anymore. So continuing the theme of the Bizarro episode... I remember playing Risk all night What with my friends, Nick Pop and Eric Stoner, and no, those names are not made up. <laughs> so, okay. Risk is my childhood memory that, I, that uh, I immediately thought of for this. So like we would have all-nighters playing Risk, and we were so mean because it was- You got schooled, didn't you? That's why it is. You no, got no, no. schooled. That's, it. That's what it is. No, we would- it was like a three player. I think we were always playing like a three player game. So it would, these games would go on forever because as soon as someone was winning, the other two would just gang up on them. And then, you know, inevitably you get the, the, the turn in and increase your armies. And, you know, we would bet we would make alliances and then break them and backstab each other. And we would play all night. I remember playing this game literally all night, like multiple times with these guys. Wow. And I'll never forget that. So risk is my answer. I didn't decide I hated Risk until I was introduced to better games. So Yeah. Well, I mean, just because there's better games doesn't mean Risk was bad. No. I mean, for this, this goes back to the discussion about if there's opinions that are right or wrong. This is a case where you're wrong. <laughs> risk is a bad game. <laughs> well, then why did you play it? Because we had no option. But you had fun. You stayed up all night. I did. But I was foolish. Mm, not if you're having fun. <laughs> That's true. Okay. I, question four. Dennis Hoyle. Notice a lot of these questions are from Dennis. Yeah, this Dennis is, actually, is very good. This is yeah. a good question. So, do you get headaches when you play games? What is the longest game you would start playing, even if you had a killer headache because the game is so good? And this question speaks to me because I am really healthy, just health wise, but I get headaches. Headaches are my thing. I'm not allergic to anything. I don't get the flu or the colds. I get these wicked headaches. And sometimes they do happen in the middle of a game. Sometimes they happen before game night, and sometimes games cause them. Like, they should just include a bottle of Advil with Robo-Rally. They should just put it in there. <laughs> Reprinting the should, year, should be one of the robots you could dispense. <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, and then, obviously, I think we all got headaches playing Caverna, but that, that wasn't our choice. But, you know, what games would you start playing knowing your head is pounding and you would still play the game? 
See, I, I have a hard time answering that because I I don't have the you killer headache it. issue. I, I mean, I get headaches, but they're they're mild. They're not. I don't ever get migraines and stuff like that. So it's hard for me to answer because I, I would would play with the headaches I get. I wouldn't even care. I don't typically get headaches. I like don't get them often. Hey, buddy. <laughs> we've got a <laughs> we're second, slappy. We've got a second guard checking us out now. Um, but. If I had a killer headache, this is what I this would be my condi- these would be my conditions to start a game. If it was over two hours long, it would have to be in my top ten games. I think in order to start for it. me to start it when I have a huge headache. If I had a huge headache, I would want to play light social games or something not taxing on my head. And I only could think of two, uh, mostly because I didn't intentionally not looking at my top games right now because i'm about to re-rank them and i don't want to skew my opinion when are we going to have those results i'm uh, curious i would say by next episode looking forward to that we're gonna do a top 10 yeah we should make that our next Let's episode top, top 10. 10 all right all right finish the dan question on the books uh so i i, I had two Kemet and scythe i think i would start either of those games even though wow. they're both two hours long i want to play Kemet. and i think uh one that might be hanging around there would be Food Chain Magnate. I think I would start that, too. Ooh, that's a lot of thinking and stuff. I man. love that game. I, you know, I'm bummed that we had kind of a, you guys had kind of a bad experience at Gen Con, because I think that's a really good game. You need to try it again without Dave. So it might be a flawed opinion that we have. Yeah. yeah. Well, might be uh, inaccurate. Based on the context in which you played the game. way to confirm. Is to play it a third time. The first time I liked it, the second time I didn't like it. Third I, time will be the truth. There you go. And I'm giving you a little hint there about my top ten. The only you way caught to that. be Whoa. sure. Curious. So it's Food Chain Magnet might have topped Alien Frontiers. Um, We'll see. I, I, I would veto that. I, I don't think that you believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Alien Frontiers has to be respected. I know. So for me, it's Cyclades. It's the perfect game. In fact, I think Cyclades could cure a headache if you played it. That's how great the game is. Once you begin playing and the board's are getting set up and you start the bidding, I think you're healed. I don't agree that you like that game. <laughs> That's my number one game. Question. Next question. Next question. Also from a Mr. Dennis Hoyle. What are your favorite Dice Tower Network shows besides your own? I like well, Secret from- Cabal. Dice Tower. What about you guys? I, I pretty much have only listened to the Dice Tower. I, I, I've I've also slacked a little bit lately. I've listened to most episodes of the Dice Tower. Yep. So I have a, a long list here, and I put them in the order they appear in my feed because I honestly don't even know how I would rank these right now. But speaking of which, let me check my feed. Uh, here's the list, and all of these are great podcasts, so you can't go wrong with any of them. Blue Bag, Pink Peg. Great podcast. Board Games Insider, which is it's Stephen Bonacore and Ignacy Trevichek. They're both board game publishers. They have a podcast about publishing, which is pretty interesting. Sounds like one you should maybe check out. Yeah, yeah they actually, that's actually a good point. They give a ton of, they answer questions from people that want to know things about the industry. And it actually, you can learn a lot from it, actually. Uh, DTV Audio, which is kind of a cheat. This is... Uh, it's the they take the video feed from the Dice Tower and they produce some of the stuff in audio format so you can listen to it as a podcast. So I listen to like they do top tens on there. I don't listen to reviews because it's hard. The, you know they're doing like an explanation where they're assuming you can see what they're doing. So I don't listen to those, but I listen to a lot of the other things on there. The Dice Steeple, which is a podcast about uh, Christianity and board gaming. 
hosted by uh, Sam Healy and the Game Boy Geek, Dan King. The Dice Tower, obviously. The Party Gamecast featuring the Party Gamecast is a podcast about party games and games you take to parties. And the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast, which is my favorite. I know that for sure. Of all of these, uh, that's that's my favorite. So can't go wrong with any of those on the Dice Tower Network. But this is not an obsession. No, of course not. <laughs> Question six. Why do you think people like social deduction games? Thank you, Dennis Hoyle. Once again. I'll go first. So with other board games, you're trying to figure out the game. But in social deduction, you're trying to figure out your friends. And I think that is what makes them fun. It's fun to analyze your friends in that in that way. Something that you wouldn't do normally unless you're questioning your friendships. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that that's what I had. It's just the the uh, trying to figure out and analyze your friends. Yeah, it's like spice on a food. You know, if if you have to wonder who the spy is, it's, you're going to be more on your toes than you would be if you're just playing against the mechanics of the game. You know, you're more alert. You're more into it. Uh, I think that some of our most memorable moments in gaming were social deduction games. There was the classic Shadows Over Camelot, Nathan F-bomb, <laughs> when I convinced him to let the Excalibur go to Joel, and then I stole Excalibur and revealed myself, and then still lost the game. But it was a classic moment because he completely lost it. And that, it was, first, you know, time, first and only time I've ever seen Nathan get mad yeah. in a game. Well, and then we had resistance moments with when Ryan refused to look at his identity, and then Dave was the other one, and he just about quit gaming yeah. that day. I think he might have quit in his soul. Yeah. I, I had a great Dead of Winter game as the, the spy. It was a classic game, and, you know, Spyfall. We have a lot of mixed company in our group, so a lot of the social games are, you know, like those, some of our Spyfall games are fun. They're a little lightweight. So and They're puzzles. <laughs> well, they're just puzzles. you got to figure out what piece... Is that piece? Yeah, it's, it's a puzzle. You do have to do a little bit of sleuthing, but you also have every game is a different. Every game is different element in a social game. So where some games might get repetitive, where the same mechanic tends to do well over time, you start learning. Like with Tim, it's like the first time he plays it, but for everybody else, it's you know you start realizing, oh, you're supposed to do it this way. With the social deduction games, you get a little more variance, and that's one of the reasons we played One Night Ultimate Werewolf too long. Because it was every game was different, constantly, yeah. constantly. And then finally it was, you know, we had to move on. But we got sucked into the whole, it's different. So Well, and you realize, too, that the biggest arguments slash moments yeah. have come during those games. The darkest during, times, too. The darkest <laughs> times have come during the social games because, you know, you're being accused of this and you're not this and, and people start taking things way personally. When you're playing on the game board, it's like, you know, That's you're, true. you're kicking my butt and it's on the game board. But here, this is the social thing. It seems to become more personal. So you're, you're taking the opposite view of the I question. Am, I, the I'm question actually, is asking why people like them. You're, you're sort of... It's because I'm in the camp of not you're caring turning for... You're I, Yeah, I don't really... I, you know, I enjoy Spyfall because it's quick. There's question, answer, and it's not all this debating. To me, you the part you love of the, the talk and this and that, I, I just... That's when I start checking, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to go get some pizza or something. So You know what's interesting about that? This is really interesting. So Chris, who hates discussion in other games, thrives on discussion in social deduction yes. games. And the social deduction game is a cooperative game. 
It really is. You're working together to try to flush out the the spy. I mean, it's like a team game, I guess. But what is? Uh, well, I actually like cooperative games. I just don't like the cooperative games that are 100 percent transparent. Those are not games. Okay. Those are silly. <laughs> okay. Because everybody knows everything, and just have the smartest one at the table do it. Okay, so that's the in, difference in games like where you're. It's a cooperative game. And you're trying to you know flush out the spy, or you know, like in Spy Falls, a good example. You're right. I mean, there's a lot of discussion, resistance. There's a lot of discussion. But there's a lot of mystery, and you're trying to uncover it. And so, you know, it's it's entertaining to see Ryan too do the deflection. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's like an art form. Some people are good at certain yeah. things in these games. Sometimes it's fun to watch Tim, you know, like master the mechanic of something because, like, it's just interesting to watch. With Ryan, it's the deflection, and in social games, you get more of a chance to. You know, you're seeing your friends sort of in their element, and it's yeah. I, I like. That. But there's also that gut wrenching pain you see on Ryan's face at times too. When he can't lie, he can't lie, and yeah, the it's, deflection it's only painful. works when I'm telling the truth. Yes. Right, that's true. <laughs> well, so so back to Tim's point. So your newfound hatred or dislike, we'll say, toward social games. What sort of games wouldn't you like? Would you play? Would you play Dead of Winter? Yes, would you consider that okay, even though there's a. Yes. Deduction element, okay. Yep. By Shadows over Camelot. Yes. I think it's just the pure... It's like resistance. Hate it. The game's like that. Yeah, it's, it's where that's the whole game. That's yeah. But how many game. games are there like that? A lot. It's a lot. Like what else besides resistance? You know, I, I was not on the werewolf bandwagon with you guys the whole time either. I was I was sick to death of those things, but I just kept playing them. The anomaly here is Bang. Them. For some reason, Tim likes Bang. But it's not... Yeah, I mean, guess, yeah. I mean, it is, it's a social deduction game. Yeah, to some degree, it's yeah. in that same yeah. vein, but yeah. it's something different about that one for Tim. But there's there's a lot that we haven't played too. But the one night games, uh, we played Resistance one night, Bang Bang the dice game. Gosh, I'm drawing a blank. But there's, I don't think there's a lot. Coup, uh, <laughs> <remember> coup, stupid. <laughs> But Spyfall is social deduction. Yeah, but and the, the but reason Spyfall's that okay. I'm good with Spyfall though because it, it's question answer. Right. It's not let me pontificate upon you why <laughs> Ryan's eye twitch makes him the spy. But you like Werewolf, don't you? And Witch Hunt? Uh, I do enjoy Witch Hunt. Werewolf, I'm kind of cold on. the Not Ultimate Werewolf. Is it the I'm, timer I'm okay. that you like? I love the timer okay. in Witch Hunt. The 45-minute round of Werewolf, I pretty much want to just you want to kill assassinate yourself. myself well, me and too. Get out of the there, game. You shouldn't yeah. have a 45-minute <laughs> yeah. You don't want to die. You want to assassinate yeah. yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't lynch me. I've already done it. Yeah. <laughs> Question right. seven. Another one from Mr. Dennis Hoyle. Have you ever experienced a transcendent moment in a game? A moment when everything in your strategy crystallized or collapsed so suddenly that it felt otherworldly, leading to your quick victory or defeat? Describe such moment. You probably have a lot of them. I have too many to pick from, so <laughs> I just can't really pick one. But actually, recently, what was the new game we just played uh, last Wednesday? Ennis. Ennis. Yes, so that one, uh, first time playing, I was kind of trying to feel the game out, figure out everything, and you know, tried to win that one round, and I believe Ross prevented me because you got to jump in the castle and I couldn't do it. And right. I was kind of like, oh, my game's done. I'm like, okay, let's refocus. And then I kind of double-focused, and then you guys saw the one way I was trying to go but didn't see the other way I was trying to go. Yeah. And I actually ended up getting two of the yeah. three possible win conditions and <laughs> you were not able to prevent me from even doing the one that you saw. All right. So it was it was kind of like a well, hey, I just got two of the three win conditions and won the game. First time playing. Yeah. Yeah. Tim's the only one that like most people can't even get one win condition and Tim got two. <laughs> and they only needed one. Yeah. 
Just gotta have that one in your back pocket just yeah. in case, you know? The nail in the coffin. So I have an interesting one. Most of my examples for this are uh, in Werewolf, actually, since we've been talking about Werewolf, because I don't typically have moments where strategy crystallizes. <laughs> <laughs> that just doesn't happen to me. Uh, but there's one story which I think I may have told on the show before, but it's worth repeating. So uh, do you remember, I think it was the first year that we played werewolf. There was a guy that was playing in a lot of our games and he was like a former member of the FBI. Yeah. Yes. And CIA. CIA. And he was very good at analyzing people yeah. and he was, and he could, he was always flushing out the werewolf. So at the end of the very end of the convention, when we were leaving, like the last night of werewolf, we saw him and we asked him like, can you give us any tips for, you know, how you figure out who the werewolves are? And he said, uh, right after the, the werewolves kill someone at night, they look at you him. open your eyes and look around and, and the person, the werewolves will be looking at the person that they killed before the moderator says who it is. And so I spent a whole year thinking about this, this advice that he gave, and I cannot wait to try it at the next Gen Con. So the next, actually, I don't even know if it was, it might've been Origins, but the next time I played werewolf at a convention, it was only me. You guys weren't in this game. But, and I was just a standard villager and I remembered this advice. So the first night kill, I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it. So we put our heads down, the werewolves kill someone, we put our heads up and I look, and I look around real quick and I see this, this guy, this guy looking at someone and that was a guy looking at you. No, luckily he wasn't looking at me, (laughs) but he was looking at someone and, and that guy was the one who got killed. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So now I'm like, okay. How do I tell this to the to the group without getting without like mauled. looking suspicious, right? And so this is where the deflection came in because I had to con- I had to convince everyone. Listen, I know who the werewolf is, and I can't tell you why, but I promise I didn't cheat, and I'm not and the, I'm not, and I'm not a werewolf, and I'm not the seer. <laughs> <laughs> and like and and we went back and forth on this, and I can and I convinced them all to to lynch this guy, and so we we got the vote. And he was the werewolf. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like this revelation moment. I'm like, it worked. And everyone and everyone looked at me like in awe. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we put our heads down. And amazingly, I didn't get killed that night. Wow. I thought for sure they, the, they thought I was a seer and they were going to kill me. I didn't get killed. And I wake up. And so everyone in the circle looks at me and they're like, all right, <laughs> who's, ne- <laughs> who's next? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and what's funny about this is so that moment was amazing, but I've tried this multiple times since then, and it's never worked. It only worked that one time. Wow. Uh, but I'll, I'll never forget that moment. And then after the game, people were like, "What did you? How did you do that?" And they're like, "Everyone's come up to me and like asking me, like what what the story was there." So I you know I ended up telling some people what happened. But that was definitely a transcendent moment for That's me. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, one that I have is very similar to yours, and that was when I had a streak of getting the werewolf in like the first, second, third rounds. We were like picking them off, and it was to the point that games that we new games we would play, they would maul me, right? If they recognized me from the that other was when game. we start calling you the profiler. Yeah, yeah and but that but that ended up being being bad because bad I couldn't thing. play. Right, but between the time it was before it was bad, it was transcendent that like things were clicking. The other one for me was. Um, Cyclades again, you know, the best game ever. You know, the, one of the great things about this game is you're always in second or maybe third, like a close third, before you win. You're never in the lead when you win this game. Yes. 
which is why I love it. It's such a cutthroat game, and you just kind of have to stay a little bit under the radar, a little bit. And every game I've played, except for the last game, which uh, Heather somehow won, I had the transcendent moment where I knew I was going to win. It was right before the end, and I just needed one more turn where, you know, two Metropolises wouldn't be built. And then once that turn ended, I knew it was good because I had the money and all the stuff. So that it, it's a great question because all these stories that we're telling are classic gaming moments that are rare but fun. Yeah. Come along. There is one more that happened recently that I just thought of. And it was, I can't, I, I can't share the details of this cause it would spoil the game, but we played time stories recently and there is puzzles in this game. I Do you recommend everyone, that game? Yes. I played it with, uh, I, I recommend it too. Yeah. It's, mm. it's very interesting. I, I honestly don't know if you can actually win in the time they allot you. <laughs> right? Oh, it's timed. There's there's rounds. Okay. So and then based on what happens, but it's it's tough. It's challenging. It's, yes. Uh, yes. I, I don't know. This is one that, probably like grizzled, and and then probably time story. I don't know if Chris, as far as difficulty to actually win in the time allotted. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I can't figure out if you would like this, Chris. Okay. Fair. It's, is it just is a transparent co-op? No. Are you sure about that? Well, I mean, every I mean every once you get information, everybody knows the information, right, but you it. don't know the information. Right. What? It, so, have you ever played? You don't know what information you're going to get because it's based on what you guys do. Have you ever played the video game Mist? Yes, a long time ago. Did you like it? I can't remember liking it. But I, I remember it was like very open in world, right? So, the Time Stories is extremely immersive. Okay, I like that. And it's puzzly, but it's not puzzly like Pandemic where you have to figure out the optimal. Okay. Actually, I guess that's not true. It's this is a really tough one for me to call. Is I, it transparent? Is everything transparent, or is there some element of individuality in the game? It's not a strategy game, so that's what makes it different from these other it's games. It's like co-op puzzle solving, <laughs> kind of. All right, forget it. Let's move on. It's like co-op like adventure, it. okay, with a element of mystery. So and, it's like RPG, except yes. everybody controls what everybody else does, and there's no individual element. Well, you do your own character. Like you decide where what your character does, and like you'll is it like House on Haunted Hill? No, it's way better than that. No, it's not like because that. you're you're moving your guy individually, but you're sharing everything with everybody. You do share information. It's part of the reason I like I can't say too much is because I don't want to spoil the game uh, because the game can't be played more than once. Once you play it, it's like you you've solved it and you can't play it again. Kind of, it's. But you didn't solve it, the so best, you could play it again. The best thing we did solve it. The best. Oh, thing, you did? I, I thought Tim said it was impossible to win. Uh, you can keep playing. You just get like negative. Like when you tally your score at the end, it could actually be negative, but you still finished. It, the, the best thing I can explain it, uh, related to would be like. Um, I'd put it at I'm doing a such a bad job. Thirty percent chance of you liking it. Yeah, I, I would put it at like point two. Uh, the immersion alone would make you like it in some way. Okay, it'd well, be higher than a it's, point it's two. It's kind of cool. Anyways. The fi- there's puzzles in this game. The final puzzle, I had this moment where I didn't I didn't solve the puzzle, but do you, Tim knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's this moment where I kind of figured out what we had to do to solve the fi- final puzzle, and that was like the catalyst for us getting to the end. Yeah. And that was like a transcendent moment in some ways uh, for me because this is the second time I've played it. We didn't finish it the first time, and we couldn't solve the final puzzle. And that was like two years ago. Wow. So it was like 
two years of wondering like what we were missing and then finally it finally clicking. Uh, and that was a recent one that happened. Next question. It's by Eric Edens. When playing a social deduction game with teammates, do you ever resort to silent communication with known teammates or even texting under the table? And my answer to this is yes. And it involves the two people sitting with me tonight. Yep. It was only once I texted Ryan that Tim was the Cylon. And Evil text. it was bad. I not only was it unethical, but I was wrong. <laughs> and it spoiled the game completely. I will never do that again. And I think there's a lot of reasons not to, you know, collaborate like that. Uh, but you go down the wrong path and then you're like you're lynching somebody who's innocent because of technology. I love this question, and I'm wondering if you guys have any stories about that. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm against the texting, but like the silent kind of gestures and stuff in those t- other kinds of games where you want someone that's familiar with you to kind of take a couple hand gestures. To, like the to, signaling? Yeah, the little signal, kind of get the little, little information across the table that you normally couldn't get, especially when you don't want to reveal information to others. Then I totally think that's good. I think doing the texting thing is just kind of out of the game thing. Yeah. It's something that is hidden. You know, if I'm trying to gesture to Ryan, there's a chance someone else can see it and do an interpretation. Whereas if I'm texting, that's it's it's almost like a cheat. So I'm all for in-game mechanics. Signaling. There's yeah. sometimes where um, we're in a game and like Dave will be talking and it's obvious that he's whatever, like the sideliner and like. I, I, I do this a lot with Chris. Like, Chris and I will just look at each other, and we both, we're both, I can tell we're both thinking the same yeah. thing. Like, whatever you say right now is such crap. It's yeah. basically what we're, what we're thinking. But there's one that I think you're forgetting, Chris. There's one time that you, you snapped a picture of me during a <laughs> Battlestar Galactica game. And then Chris has a, one of the phones where you can write on it with like a, whatever, like a pen. And he, he opened a little notepad thing and wrote Cylon and drew a big arrow to my head. And then he was showing it to people around the table when I wasn't looking. <laughs> That's right. I did oh, forget about that. That was funny. And I don't know if you remember this, but there was another time. No wonder Tim hates these games, by the way. I don't remember what game we were playing, but there was one time where Tim like went upstairs to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and then we all agreed to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he came back, we killed him. I don't remember what game. It might have even and happened we, we multiple were wrong times. Yeah. yeah, We were always wrong about, about Tim. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, so I think it's probably unethical, although this is one of the things that dead last was supposed to was, I thought was going to be fun about dead last is you're allowed to do stuff like that. But then when I tried it, no one saw my messages. So that was a failure. Question next. It's by Oliver Geary. (laughs) Where are we now? Would you rather get an expansion for a game that you know you already love or get a brand new game that you think you will love? For me, I'm, I'm. Probably going with the expansion to a game I love. Mm. You know, I already I already got a game that I really like. This is going to expand the world or expand the things that I can do in that game. And uh, chances are, since I love the base game, I'm gonna enjoy the expansion. So for me, it's kind of like one of those, you know, going back to Ryan's trying to only pick good games. It's it's kind of like one of those easy picks. I'm I'm gonna like it. Uh, so for me. I actually would rather get a new game and it might not, it's not for the reasons you think. I don't typically like expansions. I think they just muddy the rules of the game and they add extra stuff that it like removes the streamline part of the game and it makes it not streamlined. <laughs> like, Unless it allows additional players. Yeah, like the expansions I like are ones that 
they just give you more of the same stuff. Maybe the game came with 50 cards and they give you 50 more cards, but they don't introduce a bunch of new rules. They just give you new cards. No, yeah, I'd agree with that too. I like those type of expansions because there's nothing new to learn. Right. When you have to learn a bunch of new stuff and you're, it's like added on and you can tell it was added on afterwards. I don't know. Well, especially because according to the question, it says you already love the game. Right. Which implies you're not tired of the game. You love the game. Personally, I would rather not have an expansion for a game I love and have a new game that I might love because I already love this game. I don't need to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, it's case by case, too, because I love the Cyclades expansion with Kronos. Yeah. You know, that yeah. was that's pretty fun. But, you know, it's case by case. All right. This is a question I'm really interested in your guys' answer. It's question 14 by Dennis Hoyle. <laughs> Even though we're on, like, question 10. <laughs> it's Chris Math. Have you ever seen the quiz recently that ranks a player's game preferences and plots them on a matrix with four quadrants? Social gamer, role-playing gamer... Euro gamer, war gamer. I'm I'm interested to know where you, Chris and Tim, lie on these quadrants, and also hear your debate which is best. Now we kind of took a quiz similar to this. (laughs) I don't know that we took the same quiz that Dennis is referring to, because I I looked for it. You know, it was hard to find, and I did find one with four quadrants, where it, it rated conflict, social. Social fun. Strategy and immersion in these four quadrants. And so we all took that test. Yes. And how did you guys do on that? I am very, 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 very far peaked to the strategy quadrant. Wow. Well, that's not surprising. Not surprising. I also am very high in the uh, immersion and uh, conflict. Then the social fun, yeah, not so much. So if we go if we go down to percentages, your, according your to this graph is like the opposite of mine. Mine is seventy nine percent strategy, sixty one percent immersion, sixty five percent conflict, and only nine percent social fun. Wow, yours is a when Ryan is, is are kind of Ryan. Similar. Well, your yours is Whoa. similar, but no, your your secondary goes right. his secondary Look at the things strategy. are way to the is right. Is that strategy to the right? The uh, this one so, is strategy. So what, what Ryan's graph is showing is that he's bipolar. Yeah. Yes, because he is. He is very, his primary things are towards social fun, but his secondary things are towards strategy. Yeah. Whereas mine, mine both point in the same direction. My, my top You're graph consistent. and my bottom graph both go towards You the want nothing side. to do with social, no. according to your graph. Yes. My, I, yeah. It's all strategy. 9%. What's the, so it's, you also like conflict and immersion too. Conflict and immersion are the second. That's very interesting. Yeah, strategy was eight percent for me. Wow, wow. Mine was twenty around twenty five percent. What's your immersion percent? So my immersion is sixty one percent. That's almost identical. To mine. That's mine. That's minus sixty one percent. Minus fifty nine. And then did you guys see these secondary ones? Because I think yes. they're funny. Like so, social fun for me was second. It was fifty eight percent. But then underneath it, I have cooperation was three <laughs> percent. My cooperation is zero. My, Holy cow! My cooperation is twenty. Wow. Really? So I have the highest cooperation. And then under conflict, conflict was only 40%, but then social manipulation was 93%. <laughs> Holy <laughs> 93. Wow. Because that was all the questions about convincing someone to like do what you want, like the negotiation type stuff. Yeah, that so, is you. Yeah. My conflict was 75 and social manipulation 69, so they're close. How high was your dis- uh, aesthetics percentage? 28%. 54 Wow. Mine was 98. 
So that would wow. be like the art and the theme. Yeah, the components, art, the theme. Like my like immersion was my highest, and then aesthetics, I guess, was the highest of that category. I like the aesthetics, but it's hard to rate that higher than other things. Yeah, I don't know how that came out, except you know, I, I guess when I was asking, like I I remember marking like art is very important to me. If yeah. the art is bad, I have a hard time with the game. Uh, and then I also had ninety eight percent on discovery underneath strategy. I had four percent. Thirty to thirty seven. And I think for me So what's an example of discovery? So I think discovery is like trying to find strategies or trying new strategies, which is basically every time I play. Because I never figure out a good one, so I'm always on the search for one. So that like to me, all the questions about winning I mark zero. Like how important winning is. Because if that was important to me, I would hate gaming. <laughs> well, one of the things that was missing from this quiz I thought was tactics versus strategy. Yeah. Because that's why my strategy is so low. I like the tactical part of gaming. I don't like the long-term strategy part. Right. And so that's why Tim's is so high because yeah. that's his well, wheelhouse. And it's just funny because you're, I mean, as much as you're towards a social fund, your, your hill is tiny compared to my hill towards the strategy. I mean, my hill is twice as high, Massive. at least, yeah. than yours is towards your right. highest. Yeah, I mean, you're more strategic than I am social. Yeah. We all look like we're pretty even as far as conflict and immersion. Yeah. Those are all pretty level. So which is best? That was part of the question. Yeah, and I think there is no best. This is goes to everybody's... Uh, Different that would be an preference. opinion. An yeah, opinion. No, it's, it's, an opinion. Opinion. yeah. It's, it's the basically archetype. you're wrong. So <laughs> no, I mean, strategy archetype. is the best. You're, you're wrong. These are archetypes. The only time you're wrong is when you're in your archetype and you don't like a game of that archetype. <laughs> okay. The only archetype was like 400 cubits. So nothing else. 400 what's, exactly. What's weird about this is like pers- I personally don't. This graph doesn't fit with what I actually believe about myself. Like in I, what way? Like my strategy is my lowest of all four, yet strategy is the most important. Like, what's your strategy oh, percent? It's only twenty four percent. Like to me, strategy games in general are my favorite types of games. Yeah. But I guess. Are you sure? Well, that's what I'm, I'm questioning that now. Like, I think so. Like, but I also enjoy like thematic games. For example, uh, Dead of Winter. That's not a strategy game. That's well, a, that's why your thematics is so high. Yeah, that's an immersive game. So I don't know. I'm I'm uh, questioning my. Well, my, I think you and I are similar in strategy versus tactics taste. That's true. And our, and our strategies are both low. And I think that makes sense. The problem is they didn't have a tactical area of questioning. Here's the thing, Chris. You have ADHD, and that's that's one of the reasons you have trouble with the strategy games. Right. I have no like. I have no excuse to be bad at them, but I still am like you have a, you have a legitimate (laughs) excuse to give as to why it's a problem for you. And I don't even have that, but I still enjoy them for some reason, even though I'm so bad. That's the difference where I don't enjoy them and and I'm bad at them where you enjoy them, but you're bad at them. Okay. And you're not bad. You're not as bad at them as you think though. You, you, you claim to be bad at them, but then you still do well. In the game, it's usually it better than I the do. Game. Well, like Cyclades. That's not a strategy game. That's a tactical game. No. Yeah, because you're never... My strategy when I start the game is never the same as when I'm at the end. 
you know, sometimes you could win the game by swooping in and stealing somebody's Metropolis. I'm not planning that in the beginning. Like one of the things you yeah, did but in I the mean, Matrix, that's still, still kind of the strategy of you know, here's the here's the here's my general plan. But then you're going to base things. I mean, obviously, if your idea is to swoop in and steal a Metropolis, but nobody's actually built one, that's not a valid. You well, here's it, here's so. here's proof that it's not a strategy game. <laughs> How many times have you won Cyclades? I think once. That's why. If it was a strategy <laughs> game, you would have won at least fifty percent no, of the time. No, because it's got the gang factor. So I, I have to fight three other people in order to win that game. And that's only if you're ahead, though. But you did that in. But you're assuming. Too. But yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think Cyclades is a strategy game. A, a strategy game would be what's that game uh, where you're picking up the meeples? Five tribes. Five tribes. That's that's kind of a strategy game because you you have to kind of see everything that's going on and you have to think ahead you have to make sure you're not leaving the person who's following you with like an easy win but you can't think ahead more than one turn in yeah, that game you don't yeah but the gonna look that, like that power grid is a me. good example power grid's a yeah. good example you have to like really think ahead in that game yeah anyway i, I, I love the question and that this quiz was interesting we should post that somewhere so that uh, people could take it and see where they rank Right. All right, so I say we do two more, and then we'll call it a wrap. Okay, I want to do All the right. last question. So question 12 is by Neil Dixon. <laughs> what are your predictions for 2017 in the board game industry? What will be the big games? Will Gen Con, et cetera, continue to grow? I'll leave it for you to interpret, Ryan. Well, here's my predictions. They're pretty short. I think 2017 will be a better year for gaming than 2016. I feel like 2016 was a lull. It wasn't a bad year. But it wasn't as good as 2015 or 2014 or 2013. And I think we're going to get a lot of good games in 20, 2017. Based on what? Based on my thoughts. I have no no scientific basis for so this. So it's just a gut What's, feeling. This is just my gut. Okay. It would be his opinion. Yeah. Well, no, it's a, it's a, it's a gut, call. gut call. My second gut opinion is that Pandemic Season 2 will be a huge hit. <laughs> of course it will. Right now, I don't think it seems like that, but I what they're probably going to do is they're going to hype it up really big right before Gen Con. They're going to start releasing like little spoilers and pictures and things like that, and people are going to get all jazzed up for it, and it's going to sell out at Gen Con. Unbelievable. Just like the sequel to Exploding Kittens, Exploding Cats. Actually, they released one with dogs or something. Exploding dogs, yeah. yeah. And I think about conventions, I think every convention will grow. Just in general. Just gut feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Just no my basis. gut. All right, Tim. Yeah, I'm thinking this could be a bountiful year. Yeah. Very bountiful new stuff. But I'm, I'm expecting to see more legacy themed stuff hmm. and more expansions for past hits. So I think we're, we're going to see more legacy and expansions than new games. And new games? Yeah. All right. Those are our predictions. Finally, that, that was from Neil Dixon. Do we say that? Thanks, Neil. Actually, can we do two more? <laughs> okay. So this one is by Next. author USAEGXF1. <laughs> I'd be interested in the trio's comments on game length versus game quality. Let me be more specific. If you have three games, each of them you rate a 7 out of 10, two of the games take 90 minutes to play, while the third takes three hours, would you rather play two 90-minute games or the one three-hour game? And then there's a follow-up question. So let's deal with that one first. So you're ranking these games 7 out of 10. Equal. But two of them take 90 minutes to play. So you could play those two games in three hours, or you could play the one three-hour game. For me, I'm game for either one. I could do either one. So I, I enjoy the longer games. I'd have no problem sitting down playing a three-hour game. 
And it'd probably depend on, you know, if there's only four of us there and, hey, let's just do the one three-hour game. If there's 10 of us there, I'd probably opt for the two 90-minute games. To play with different people. To play with different people. So, But I would be game for either. Wouldn't matter to me. Ryan? I would go to two 90-minute games. Same reason or different reason? I think a different reason. I think I think three hours is too long for, for a game. So you in, don't like long games in most in cases? Not really. Like I want to when I when I'm sitting down on game day, I want to get as many different experiences in as I can. And you know, I'd rather lose for ninety minutes twice than lose for three hours once. Because <laughs> so, at least you have a chance. Yeah, you know, you reset after ninety minutes. You you feel that it's like that false hope, the of, sliver of hope. Yeah, and, and then you you know you lose again. But hey, you had that that moment of like feeling like you had a chance, a new hope. At the beginning of the game, you're like tied with everyone. So yeah, I would choose the two ninety minute games for a lot of the reasons Tim said. I like the idea of playing with different people too. But also, at a seven out of ten, you have in theory a thirty percent chance of losing or of not enjoying the game. I mean, so you know the more instances you have, the better your experience you're going to have at those odds. I like those odds because if you have a clunker. You know, you don't want to risk getting into a long three-hour clunker. Right. You know, you can't bail on it. The 90-minute game, you do your time and move on. Having said that, so like the follow-up of this question is, you know, does it matter? If it does matter, what about two 90-minute games that rank six versus the three-hour games that rank seven? So now it's upping the ante on the three-hour game. Three-hour games a seven. I have a feeling that that number is going to need to drop a lot lower for you two to do the three-hour game. I would do the three-hour game. For even a one-pip jump? Yep, I would. I'm shocked. No, if, if I know these two 90-minute games I'm not going to enjoy as much as the three-hour game, whatever the difference is, I just know, I, and I can't think of an example off the top of my head, Seven Wonders and Code Names versus like Scythe. I'm going to play Scythe. Not, not even close. Because I know I'm going to enjoy the game more. And yeah, it's a longer commitment, but because it's more attractive, I'm, I'm, I'm actually shocked. I know. I'm something? shocked. I'm shocked that that one pip. That's why I love the follow up. Drove question. you. Yeah, uh-huh. I, it's a great. So follow-up. how many pips before you do that, Mister Ryan? <laughs> I'm thinking it's got to be down to like a four before you. Well, I'm thinking of my ratings on Board Game Geek, and the ones I rate six are usually games I don't even keep. So I'd probably go with a three hour or seven. Because six to me is almost like the cutoff for even. I am stunned. Even <laughs> it's the it's the quality of the game, but this is all based on what what is a six to me. Seven wonders well, isn't a six. Well, know, just code names. Well, I mean, you you got to scale it. Okay, so six say six is a game you still really you know like. I mean, you can't go based off your scale because obviously it's a game you don't even keep. Yeah. So let let's say this is like you know nine and eight. Yeah, nine and eight. I'd do the two shorter games. So it, I think it's just the numbers he used that are bothering yeah, me in right, this question. Right. So, I, so you got a game that's a nine and two sevens. Oh. You got to go with a nine, right? Yeah, I mean a nine. It's a nine. That's like I mean, I, mean, I, was, I was in on the nine when it was. I'm trying to think of what a equal. nine would yeah, be for true. me. Like a three hour nine. Fuji Magnate would be like a three hour nine for me. Okay. Okay. So two sevens, an hour and a half. That would be like Cyclades. And he just threw you under the bus there. Will be another hour and a half, seven for me. So yeah, I'd, I'd do the nine. Wow, I'd do the nine. So all, so now I know what I need to do is when Ryan brings over his little blue bag, I need to go <laughs> through and take out all of the, the short games, uh, shorter good games, and leave the shorter eh games in the bag, <laughs> and then I can get my long game in. So 
you're under. I think there's a misconception that I don't like long games. Oh, there there is a huge misconception I, then because uh, you don't I, like long turns. I don't like long turns. <laughs> That's the difference. Yes, I yeah, like I know Scythe that. Scythe is a perfect example. That's a long game, but the turns are quick. We're like moving. We're yeah. we're moving. Oh, but right we along. we could did that game in like an hour and a half second play, didn't we? Oh, we, I don't know if it was an hour and a half. We did it pretty short the 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 day that everyone left. Yeah, it wasn't an hour and a half. Two hours. Two it hours. Was maybe two hours. Yeah. yeah, but you know, fun. If a game is fun, I, I'll play for three why, hours. Why haven't we played that since then? Why well, have we not played that? That is that? an excellent question. Why have we not played that? Somebody should post that question. <laughs> you know, we all we did is rave about that game. Yeah. We all had it best game of the year, and we never play it. <laughs> What, it, I think it's Ryan's it, it, fault. It's, 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 the, it's the time commitment. I forget what it is. I don't think it's a time commitment. I would have played it. If I showed up and I saw you guys playing your little puzzle game, and then they're like, let's, let's get a game of Sky going. Be like, yes, sign me up. Let's do it. I forgot it last time. I was going to bring it. So that was well, why we didn't play it last time. Yeah. And then sometimes people are pushing new games that they want. Yeah. Too. That's the other problem. Yeah. But I, yeah. I'm, I would love to play it again. Speaking of, you guys should be happy to know that I have zero games in my list that are I'm planning to play with you guys, my magic number list. Wow. I mean, I have games that I know are good that, I, that I'll introduce you to guys, but not magic number games. Well, you know what? Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it on the docket now. Next game night, Sky. Scythe. For sure. We wow. have to for sure play. All right. Uh, I want to play. I'm signing me up for it. It's going to be the whole night. That, that is the other reason, too. Well, not if it's two hours. That I've, well, it depends on who plays. Well, this if is, we have to teach someone, and yeah. I think the teaching on that is rather low, honestly. Well, I know I Dave wants to play again. Once, once you know how to play that, the game is very simple. Well, plus I've I've taught it like three times now, yeah. so I I think I know the teaching process for it. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. Down with the scythe. All right. Well, we can make that the last question. Last question. Last question. We promised our listeners All two right. more questions. So I'm going to, there's a really long question. So I'm going to, it's life worth risk one asked this question. I'll just abbreviate it. How do you adapt to playing with different levels of gamers? This is, I think, a really good question. He says, I'm an intermediate board gamer, a long history of mainstream games with my family. And last year and a half, I was introduced to modern board games by a coworker. Both my wife and I's family enjoy playing the modern board games we've discovered. But they like different kinds of games. So the whole point of the question is how do you balance, you know, you have like the really intense, you know, very strategic technical gamer versus the casual gamer and you're in the same group. You know, we and we run into this a lot in our group because we have, you know, people will bring their wives or girlfriends and, you know, you have, uh, you know, we were talking about Sky. There's some people that just aren't going to like that game, right? Right, yeah. And then there's some people that do like the lighter games. So how do you, how do, you do that? Now, how do you manage that? You know, a lot of times you would just play the lowest common denominator, right? And get out like King of Tokyo. Right. And everybody's yeah. going to like that because I'm going to have more fun playing King of Tokyo than somebody that's new is going to have playing Sky. Yeah. You know, actually, this might be, this might explain my quadrant a little bit because mm-hmm. I think I, I probably have more experience gaming with different levels of gamers because uh, I do it so much. Uh, then maybe you guys do, or maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. But I, I play a lot of games with. So here's some examples. I've talked about before how I've been asked to come and teach games to like the youth group at church. Okay, so these are like high school kids that have not really played any modern board games. At my other church, I had a game night for not the kids, but like the the church members. So we had people showing up to that, you know, that are in their 60s, and then some like a teenager. Okay, like I had to figure out what games to bring to these things. So I've, I put a lot of thought into this. 
And I think the the alpha gamer who's introducing the games has to have a lot of discernment in these <laughs> situations. Like you were saying, don't try to introduce them to Scythe when they've never played a game in their life. So how I do it, like Chris said, the lowest common denominator, but I just have a variety of games that I know will work in like almost any situation. And in those scenarios, I just bring those games. Like you, you get the most versatile games in your collection, the ham sandwiches of your collection <laughs> and you put them all in a bag and bring them. Then you try to get a variety of, you know, different styles so you can try different things. So some examples of ones I do that with ice cool is one that can like work with anyone. King of Tokyo, which you mentioned, mentioned there's a game called survive um, that I bring uh, ticket to ride. Uh, Catan is, is one. And then here's the other thing though. When you're playing the game, you have to let people enjoy the experience. So I had a bad example of this where I introduced a game to uh, my dad and Esther, and I had never played it either, but I just figured out the strategy quicker, and I just went all in, and like the game ended real fast because I just pushed, I pushed to the end of the game really fast, and I like just and I killed them both. They're never going to want to play that game right. again. I ru- I completely ruined the experience. I should have just said, okay, I figured it out, but just let the game play out so they could get a feel for it. And then maybe we could play again and everyone could, you know, have a chance, but I just like obliterated any chance of anyone liking it. So you have to be discerning as a person who who knows more to kind of feel out the group and let them enjoy the experience. Don't just make it all about winning the game. Tim. Yeah. It's, it's a hard balance because you, you're judging different levels. So, you know, some of that would be, you know, being patient, like, you know, re-explaining rules or you know when a new player is playing a game they haven't played before and they're making an obvious bad move you know don't say like oh yeah i'm gonna win now because he just made a dumb move you know let them know this is a bad move explain why it's a bad move so then they can you know maybe click up there and figure out a little different strategy or something and just try to work with them more to get them to enjoy the game like you're saying because like you said if you just crush them then chances are they're not going to play again and you're, you're losing that potential person to maybe get into a genre of games that you really enjoy. And then as they become better, they're going to be more competitive with you and then it becomes a very competitive, enjoyable game that you can do. But if you, if you ruin that experience or don't let them take something back, biggest example is Food Chain Magnet when they <laughs> place that billboard. That, that move... He will never play that again because we did not let him undo right. that stupid decision. Because honestly, he didn't understand the ramifications of what he was doing. Right. So had we let him undo that, I believe Dave would have kept playing and maybe enjoyed the game. Yeah, instead of quitting halfway through and going for a jog. Yeah. <laughs> Just what he did. <laughs> Only Dave would do that. Yep. So yeah, I, I agree with you that there you have to have the variety. Probably you're going to start with some simpler ham sandwich games. Just get people into the mood and doing stuff, and there, there's not such strategy into it. But then, you know, as you introduce newer players to more complex strategy games, if you do want this to continue, yeah, maybe kind of take more of a back seat and use the game. The first game is a, a teaching experience, right? Yeah, I mean, his part of his question too involved what do you do when the group seems to not be enjoying the game? Which is, it's a little bit one step past what we're talking about. You know, it's not that they're losing and doing things wrong; they're just not enjoying it. Yep. It's an interesting thing because you've seen this and, you know, he's like, do you pack it up and go to a familiar game or do you just push through it? 
And I'm I'm big on bailing. If, if people aren't having fun, if, bail on the game. Start a new game. If everybody's not having fun, then yeah, bail on the game. If one person's not having fun, yeah, it's you have to, hard. You have to ask the group. I think because yeah. sometimes you might it might look like people aren't having fun, but they might be thinking or something. Right. So you have to kind of ask like, do you guys want to try something else? Is I think how I would ask. Or yeah. You know, and if one person to wants to bail, this. I'd be like, eh, you know, the other three people are having fun, so maybe we just kind of push forward. You have to stick it out then. Yeah. And, if and everybody like, wants to bail, or more than 50% want to bail, then I think you got to bail. Yeah, yeah, or even more than one person. Yeah. yeah especially, I mean, if you're in a five-player game and two people want to bail, you, you kind of the, the game's going to be kind of hard to continue anyways. Just yeah. like with Food Shade Magnet, when Dave bailed, it, 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 it screwed totally up the screwed up the balance of the game. So. Yeah. And so what we, we almost, should have done is stick with it just to make the game interesting, or else we all should have bailed. Then. We we should have probably what we should do is we were so early into that we should have bailed and just restarted. Just with the let three him of us. let him redo it. Yeah. Oh, oh, we should, oh I see. I see what, what you're saying. You know that we should have let yeah. him redo it, but given the circumstances of what happened, we should have just restarted the game with the three of us. Yeah, because yeah, it was pretty early still. But you know that's that that's that first game. You Such you a gotta. Yeah, and Dave will Dave will never ever ever play that. Honestly, game if you want. Dave. I mean, I feel you know what that was like the turning point for Dave going downhill on board games. I think was Gen Con this year. He did not have good game experiences at Gen Con, and ever since then, yeah. he's really been kind of checked out. He, he liked Scythe. He still talks about it. Yeah, Scythe is an exception, but I mean, he's he's leaving it real early on game night now, where he could easily come back from the. And well, and he he has a couple times, but there's been a couple times too that yeah he's used but he would never do that in Alvaron. No, no. He, I mean, no. he's switched RPGs gears to the RPGs yeah. now, and yeah. it's fine. The unfortunate thing is that I hardly even see Dave now because we finished Pandemic Legacy. Dave's in another game, and then when Dave finishes that game, he leaves. I have not played a game with Dave all year. I don't think not this year, but so I haven't played a game with Dave basically since Gen Con. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. complained about your pandemic legacy games yeah. that he wishes he could play more games with you guys. And why are you guys still playing the stupid game and all this stuff? <laughs> well, and, and, well, we, we started it early before anybody got to the house, but now for some reason, everybody's getting to the house early before we had a hard, hard time with people even getting there by seven. Yeah. And now people are actually showing up before six, which is a huge oddity. I mean, we figured starting at five thirty, we had at least an hour to an hour and a half for a lot of people. You guys are not done by seven with those games. Cause we, we started stockpile Right around six forty-five ish, and you guys were still playing well into our game. So, uh, well, we finished, and then you guys were in stockpile. So then we did a bunch of stuff for the next yeah setup. So I mean, I wouldn't count that because we were basically we were only you guys, you guys were occupied, so we were just doing that to get set up for the next one. Yeah. yeah, which will help us next time. We'll save time. Yeah, but anyway, bottom line, it's it's an interesting dynamic. Do you bail? Not bail? Yeah, I I would lean towards bail. Rip. Yeah, me too. Rip it. Rip cord. Take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you turned into a frog for a second. <laughs> All right. I think that is uh, the end of episode 30. That's a wrap. All things ogres. 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 We'll just say it wrong. And so what we like got Chipotle, like. Chipotle, Cyclades, and Skies. Chipotle. <laughs> got like 3% of the questions done? Uh, we, we, we got like we got a little good more chunk. than half. 75%. I no, think. I didn't mean this set. I meant overall. Oh, yeah. We're not even close yeah. to overall. Well, keep the questions coming. Love yep. it. Good stuff. To start incorporating maybe a question or two uh, session. Yeah. <laughs> we should. You can find us at outofgamepodcast.com. Actually, that's our website. They can find the website there. Yeah. We won't be there. Our pictures are there. Our pictures are there. That's, that's kind that's of true. like us. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Digital We're there version. in spirit. 
You can also find us at BGG Guild 1990. 90. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, you can get to our guild page by clicking the BGG guy on our webpage, our awesome webpage where you can also find us or our pictures which represent us. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Stitcher at OG Podcast. And you can email us at outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 40 OOG OOG 80. That's 406-646-6480. All even numbers. And for great games at amazing prices, shop at coolstuffinc.com. And for more great podcasts of the Pice Tower. I'm so freaking The Price. The, the Pice Tower. The price, price, price Tower. For, for more great podcasts of the Dice Tower Network, go to dicetowernetwork.com. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Price Tower should be our rival network. The Price Tower. No, the Card Tower, remember. Oh, that's right. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> And Ryan is texting, but when he's done texting, we will get his take, which I'm really interested to hear. Yeah, this, this he, is like one of those annoying gaming things where people like text. He's, it's a like in the, like in the mod, his, middle of <laughs> podcasting. He's got his ear to the to the rails you in know, the gaming industry. Maybe he's hungry and he's ordering a Domino's pizza. Oh, with the app. I love yeah, the Domino's app. The Domino's app. app. That thing rocks. Yes, it does. You know, Domino's has grown 4,000% since 2003. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. I used to get a lot of Domino's, but... Uh, they were going under, and they yeah. turned things around with that app. Oh, sorry. So, Ryan. Oh, oh you're back. Game, you're back. I'm back. Best game of 2017. What did you get? Sausage most onion? Most excited. Hawaiian. Hawaiian. Yeah. That was the best Domino's we ever had. Sacrilege. Sacrilege.